Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks. My name is Tracy Thomas and I am your host here. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a quick thank you for everyone who listened to our first episode. I received so many comments, emails, text messages, and phone calls, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so glad you guys are enjoying this so far, and I'm excited to be creating this podcast with all of you. So thank you. Also, if you have yet to, please subscribe to this podcast. Um, If you're inclined, leave us a review, rate us. All of that really helps. Um, Our website is thestackspodcast.com, and on that website, you'll be able to find all the places that our podcast is located, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. So it's all linked there. Also, on the website... You can leave us comments, suggestions for future books, questions, any thoughts or insights, any things that come up while listening to the podcast, leave it there or go to our Instagram, which is the Stacks Pod, and you can do the same thing there. Send us some DM or whatever, slide into our DMs. Um, Every episode at the end, I go back, I listen to the whole thing. I pull every single book, every single article we talked about, and I will link it in the show notes and it will also be up on the website. So if you're really curious about a book you hear on the show, go back to the show notes, check it out, link it, find it, enjoy it. Um, All right, let's get started this week. I'm back with Dallas Lopez. He is a high school English teacher in Los Angeles. He's an avid reader. He's an all-around smart and wonderful human. Um, if you haven't listened to the first episode, you'll be able to get to know Dallas a little bit better by going back and listening to it. Um, this week, we're going to be discussing our first The Stacks Book Club pick, which is Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. Before I say anything else, let me say this. This week and every week we do a book club episode there will be spoilers. We are going to spoil this book. So if you're planning on reading it, go ahead, pause, read the book, come back when you're done, then listen. I promise you we'll still be here and you'll probably enjoy the conversation a lot more once you know what we're talking about. Um, So here's the deal. Exit West. It's a book about two young people who have just met and they start a relationship. They live in this country that is on the brink of a civil war and they're forced to decide how they want to proceed. Do they stay home and face this new regime or do they strike it out on their own? 
So Dallas and I are going to be diving deep into the themes and issues that come up in this book, some of which are the treatment of displaced people, um, the power of borders, and the biases that come with religion. Um, we're also going to be talking about a lot of other stuff about the characters, about uh, you know the writing style and all that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our little conversation about Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. All right, Dallas, welcome back. Um, the Stacks Book Club, the first book club episode. Um, I'm really excited. Our book that we picked is Exit West by Mohsin Amin. Um, the book tells the story of, well, first of all, there will be spoilers on this episode. Course, so yeah. if you have not read the book, pause the episode. Pick it up. Get the book. Mm -hmm. Read the book. Enjoy the book. Then when you finish and you want to talk to your best friend about it and you know your best friend has not read the book, come find us. Exactly. We'll be here. The Stacks Podcast. Waiting We're waiting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now that you've read the book, congratulations. Didn't you love it? <laughs> um, this book tells the story of two people, young people, yeah. leave their home because where they're from, the city that they're from is under attack, attack yeah. by, by militant mm -hmm. humans. And they meet each other. They kind of have this spark and they decide we got to go. Mm. And it basically tells their story of them traveling through the world together as kind of like new lovers, but also, you know, refugees from their home. Um, it, this book touches on, I don't know, a billion majillion things that the greatest books touch on it talks about home and family and love and religion a little bit and and you know what does it mean to be a stranger in your home and what does it mean to be a stranger in a new place and what does it mean to even have a home or and all of that so we're mm -hmm. going to talk about all that um i guess we'll just start with you know what was your initial kind of response to the book yeah, I mean, I, I ended it and I was like, oh, I, I want some more. But I think because of that, it left me thinking more than I might have if I had sort of this strong resolution. Yeah. Um, I found myself actually, so I, I live in Hollywood and we have a lot of a large homeless population all over. And I found myself looking at someone who lives in a tent consistently um, on the street next to me thinking that, oh, uh, you're more human to me right now. Yeah. And I think it was directly because of this text, this book here that made me think that. And so I think it, it's really sort of stuck with me and has joined me as I'm sort of in my daily life. So, totally. You know. um, what about you? I, I really liked the book. When the book started, I was like, I don't know, fiction. I'm just like not a fiction person. You know this. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Everybody at home, you're going to find out. Mm -hmm. I'm just not really a fiction person. Um, so I was a little bit nervous. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously I'd heard good things about it from, you know, Barack Obama and let me know it's good. Um, mm -hmm. So it was on his list. I love him. Um, so I picked it up and I was excited and I was like, oh, it's actually a lot smaller than I thought. Like maybe I'll be fine. And I started reading it and the writing is really, you know, stylized. It's right. like his sentence structure is really interesting and not that that's something that I normally care about or think about, but when it's done well, you can't help but notice it. So I was really pulled in by, it was almost like poetry, but it's not verse, you know, it's like, it was, it was just like, kind of like sexy almost. I don't know. So I was like really pulled into it and the way, like, you know, there's moments in the book where he's telling you, you know, that's, well, I guess we're doing spoilers. So what, who do I care? The part where he tells us that Sade's uh, mother has died 
Mm-hmm. And he kind of is like, and then that was the last time he saw her right. because she had been killed. And I was like, <laughs> yo, like this motherfucker is not playing around. Right. And I like that kind of writing really pulled me in because you couldn't, I couldn't zone out. Right. Like I had to pay attention to what was yeah. happening. And so I loved, I loved that about the book. Yeah. The teacher and me definitely, when I re- read the first page, I'm always with my students like, we got to read that first page. Those yeah. first lines, like authors labor over them. Do not skip them. So I spent a lot of time with that first line. I just felt like I was really savoring it. It was just so What was it? Not so nice. Go I was yeah, okay. I was just rereading it. Right read now, it so to like, us. Okay. I'll do a quick little read. Okay. Um But the sentence structure and the way that he sort of folds in all of these things and builds towards something is just really magical. And I just found myself being like, Oh, my students should really see this right now. Um it starts in a city swollen by refugees, but still mostly at peace, or at least not yet openly at war. A young man met a young woman in a classroom and did not speak to her. That's amazing. Yeah. I like, mean, that's what we're talking about. It's like that, like, there's so much in the text that I couldn't help but be engaged with it. Right. Because I sometimes feel like one of my problems with fiction is that I feel sometimes that authors are just like writing to write. Mm-hmm. And I like nonfiction because I want information. Right. And so this was kind of like you had to pay attention to the writing because it wasn't always the thing that you were interested in wasn't always at the beginning. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a boy and a girl met each other in school in the city that they lived in. It was like the city and there's one like, right. mm, it's yeah. like sexy. I don't know. Um, and I also just love that moment where, you know, there's this thing where authors do this wonderful job of of catching moments in life and he definitely does that there's so many times mm-hmm. where i was in my house and my couch reading and found myself looking at my couch differently or sort of thinking about my home differently yeah but that moment where he says and did not speak to her mm-hmm. oh like we don't often think about the things that we don't do as like memorable mm. moments and so i just thought like this this is already something special this is already something that i'm i'm it's teaching me something about the world that i don't normally do that those moments that we don't do are still something mm-hmm. you know I totally agree. The book does definitely feel like it does feel special as you're reading it. Mm. Um, kind of to jump to the end. Oh yeah. Just because about this, how did you feel about the last third of the book? Not the details of it, but like, how did you, like if you felt really engaged from that first page, yeah. did that change when you got to the end? It did. A, it did a little, I was, you kind of, oh, I guess we'd done this well. I mean, you kind of sense that this whole time that there's this tension between them and they're going to break up or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't think it was going to happen. Mm. I, I kind of kept, kept felt like part of the story that they were sort of experiencing this thing together and that they're going to mm-hmm. end it together. And so when they ended it apart, I was kind of like scrambling for <laughs> like, yeah. wait, what are you doing? No, no, no. Um, and yeah. so I felt myself kind of feeling not disappointed, but just feeling kind of like a kid with his two parents. I feel like I'd yeah. gone through this whole journey and be like, no, no, I want you to be together. But then right. stepping back and thinking about, well, what's that togetherness about? And we have this togetherness, the idea of home and family. But when you don't have those concrete things anymore, then you do have more liberty and freedom to engage in the world and have people come in and come out in certain ways that we don't necessarily Right. Get to. Right. In our society. Well, okay. So for me, I felt like the book really fizzled out. Like I was really into it. I was really enjoying it. I was like, you know, telling everybody, oh my God, I'm reading the best book ever. You have to read it when I was like 50 pages in, which Uh is common for me. Um, But then by the time I got to the end of the book, 
I was like, what happened? Like, this just like everything ends. Like, right. it's over. Like, goodbye. Um, and I was really upset. And I actually talked to my sister-in-law, Robin. She's the best. And she was reading the book at the same time. And I was like, I don't know. It just fizzled. And she was like, well, I think that like that's what he was trying to say about, you know, the human spirit and these things. So then I thought about it. And I, you know, went back and I, I found this passage and I think that this passage sums it up better than anything that I'm going to say right now because, you know, he's a genius and I'm me. So this is what he says. He says, the apocalypse appeared to have arrived and yet it was not apocalyptic, which is to say that while the changes were jarring, they were not the end and life went on and people found things to do and ways to be and people to be with and plausible, desirable futures began to emerge unimaginable previously but not unimaginable now and the result was something that and the result was something not unlike relief Mm. which then when you start to think about that passage that's the relationship that's their crisis that's Mm. their country that's all these people like that's london that's that's marin that's wherever they end up at first it seems like how could we possibly go on you know, my mother's died. I've left my father. This is the end of the world. And yet things that seemed unimaginable before, like laughing, all of a sudden they do, or like, you know, leaving the house or, you know, and so it's maybe not so much a fizzle, but it's just a coming to terms. And same with a relationship. You enter a relationship, you're like, oh my God, I'm so in love with, I'm going to marry him. And then, Six months later, you're like, this is lovely. And, you know, if you're me, you're married three years and you're like, great. <laughs> yeah, we you we fully fizzled. Things, My right? husband and I have fully fizzled. Don't <laughs> no. He's going to hear this and think that I'm a terrible Jakey. person. We love you, Jake. Yeah. You're the most perfect. I mean, I love, I love that idea. I mean, that's so profound and so lovely in so many ways and things that I would want my students to be able to come to. Um, <laughs> but I think that, that that's ex- that makes me love the book more. I think that I had the same experience where I'm getting towards the middle of the book and I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen? What's happening? And mm-hmm. Like nothing quite happens in the way that it does in the beginning. And so I think that that idea that maybe he organized the organization of this text was for that, you know, right. to, to mirror the way in which relationships or even just these huge chaotic moments of right. war, you know, that's not the end. Right. It is a beginning of something else. Right. Well, and it's the end for some people, but those who survive, so like the for some. they are more resilient and like things that were unimaginable before are, that, are not. And that we've created something else from it, right? right? That you would think at the end of those sayings, there would be an end, but there's not that there's this other sort of segment of history that begins. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And something also like you and I both are, are, bleeding heart kind of people. And like, well, what I was going to say is that even for the nativists in this story, things Uh, that were once unimaginable, like having these migrants, having these refugees in their Mm -hmm. places also kind of like by the time they get to Marin, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, these people just live here. And he even says something along the lines of like, well, who is even from here? Right. Like nobody's (laughs) even from Marin. I was like, wait, wait a second. Right. And so it's like, even for everybody in the book, these things, these cataclysmic events, it's like, Oh my God, there's all these other people in London and we have to, you know, burn this movie theater down filled with children to kill them, to get them out. And then by the end, it's like, no, no, we gave them like this plot of land and like they do their own thing. And like, even for those people that yeah. like are the villains 
I can speak for myself, are the villains in my mind, <laughs> yeah. even they come to terms and like even they right. soften or it's true, yeah. And that to me, I guess, is what makes this book more mm. special than the story that it tells. It's like there is this bigger story about what does it mean to go through a trauma and to survive, right? Because not everybody survives. No, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good point. But I think that, yeah, I think that those things are so important. You know, I often ask my students to think about literature as this, as a hope for what could be or what mm -hmm. else is out there. And I think that this does that in such an interesting way because you look at things like Marin County and if you're not from the West Coast, you're almost like, that's a pretty wealthy part of the world. Super. <laughs> you know, and, and there's one line <laughs> when you said that, I remember him saying like, oh, like the 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 rich people are the people who are like have a lot live in San Francisco yeah. where, you know, Marin County is kind of like right. not that. And I was like, well, since when? Since, since this book was written. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it does this really magical thing. And the same thing you're saying in London is that you think about these places that like are safe, quote unquote safe, mm -hmm. from anything else from being there besides what is decided should be there. Mm -hmm. Right? These are wealthy places. These are things that like they either have gates or sort of like metaphorical gates. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's so power powerful that he he messes with that that right. protection we think we feel as Americans or as other people in our neighborhoods because we may or may not have money. Right. right is shifted here right and it's you, you almost right. can't imagine it in here and then you think oh well it does it can and it right. will you know? well and just this is kind of like a little bit of a departure but it ties in mm. so the way that Sa uh, Saeed and Nadia and all of these refugees migrants mm -hmm. whichever you prefer I guess um if like he's interchangeable yeah. yeah but the way that they get places Door is travelers. through these doors yeah and these doors are, you walk in and you end up somewhere else. So unlike how things work in our current world where you have to travel somewhere by land or plane or sea or whatever, but mostly in refugee migrant situations, it's by land, right. you're able to be cordoned off or put in undesirable places where as in this book, you walk through a door and you end up somewhere. When they go to London, they end up in a rich person's home who wasn't in town. And all yeah. of a sudden there's all these people there. So this book is positioning refugees and migrants and undesirables, quote unquote, in the places where people want to be, right? Like they're not ending up in South London. Not that I even know what that means. Like I've never, I don't like... <laughs> That was a horrible thing to say because I don't know anything about South London. Okay. Um, I just said that because it sounded like, you know, in America, like South, whatever. It's like right. that. But whatever. They didn't. They don't end up on the outskirts of a city in a country, like, no, right yeah. on the border. They're in the heart of London in these, like, I think they say they, they're in, like, a palace. Right. Some sort of mansion. And that's different because now you have people that are unwanted in places that people want to be. Yeah, it's and that's that's where the power lies. Maybe as we're reading these things, mm -hmm. we're like waiting for a climax. But it's mm -hmm. really these things these that are moments. around us all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember walking the streets of New York City where mm -hmm. you went to school and you mm -hmm. lived for a while. And I was with my friend. I was in grad school, and we were just looking about all these buildings, thinking like, "Oh, it'd be so wonderful if we, we know someone's not living there. A lot of them are <laughs> empty because people just you know travel right. a bunch." Why couldn't they let us stay there? Those people who were living in, in closets of rooms, right? Mm -hmm. And 
and it does this in this story where right. you have this giant home and in the United States we are have been hopefully we're moving away from that this attracted these giant homes mm-hmm. that don't have a purpose and so you see it's these homes that are vacant starting to get purpose through refugees right. who need them and need right. who feel that the, the ability to have just a room with a door that right. can close is everything right you know? and they have access to these spaces which normal normally currently refugees do not have access yeah. no access whatsoever um, so yeah, it is. That is the power of this book is like these moments of, yo, that's not real. Like, right. But it, it, it's real in this world. And the, the rules of this world are very clear, which I appreciate. Mm. Um, because I think that it, it makes, it allows, it allowed me to believe mm-hmm. and to follow through. Cause one of the things that I generally don't love about like science fiction or magical realism mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call this book, um, is that sometimes the rules aren't clear enough and right. I'm like, I don't believe that. Like yeah, that's not maybe. real life. Right. But this, I felt like this was real life, but just maybe like in the future, I don't know. Like I was like, sure, like I know Marin, like I've been to London, right. like I know these places. Yeah, it's like this really narrow opening and it's like he somehow writes about this in such a way that you can go with him on this you know, unbelievable journey through doors that lead you to other mm-hmm. places in the world. But you can still go along with this this ride where it's believable that you can look at your own world and reflect and see where is the absurdity in our own sort right. of like space. Right. So it's a, it's a really delicate balance he brings to the text. And yeah. Totally. I'm so glad we're talking about this book. I'm I'm enjoying it more and more. You're like into it's it. It's not fizzling anymore. It's like you can't see Dallas bubbling. right now, but he's like into it. And Dallas isn't always like into things. Sometimes he like yeah. looks at me with like, like, stop it. You're done. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, so one of the things that we've just been talking about a ton is all these places, right? We talked about London, Marin, Mykonos. Um, But the thing that happens in this book, which is another like, you're a genius and we're idiots and why do I want these basic things when you're giving me life, um, is that we're never told where Nadia and Syed are from. We're never told the city, the country, nothing. Yes. Um, So what did you think? Where did you go? Like, where did your mind go? I mean, honestly, I I was... I, I didn't even think about it. I, something had just popped into my head immediately. And I didn't even like have to articulate it. But then as I went forward and they're visiting all these places, I realized, wait, where are they from? And I had no idea because I couldn't find it. But in my head, I thought they were possibly in Afghanistan or Iraq or something. But I realized I, I, I wasn't able to find out where. And I didn't know totally. why. Totally. So. Yeah, and it's interesting because he does name a lot of places. He also names where other refugees are from. Like right. he's like, I I remember like people from Thailand, which I was like, interesting. Uh-huh. Um, I thought Syria, and I thought maybe Turkey. Yeah, and I think part of it is because Nadia wears a robe and right. Said yeah. prays a bunch, and like they talk a lot about religion, so like it felt Muslim. But mm-hmm. even now, as I'm saying that, I'm like, I guess it could have been. There's so many places where there are Muslim people. Like they right. could have been from Asian countries, or they could have been from African countries, or I mean, I guess conceivably they could have been from America, right? Like they could have been Muslims living in America. Like there's no, there's nothing that says that it's, not, I guess, not that. Yes, yeah. um, hmm. It's just not where my mind goes. Um, but I, I thought that was interesting because I think that it really can puts a mirror up in front of you, right? You could be living somewhere at any time and you could be living a life that you think is normal. And then all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. this, there's a shift in the thinking or a shift in the, in the power of the country or the city or whatever. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not safe anymore and mm. you can't walk to school and you now not, it's not that you choose to wear a robe like Nadia, but you actually have to now, right? Yeah. Like, so that was interesting. And, and it, it's an, I mean, I don't know. Why do you think he, yeah, doesn't I mean, tell us. I mean, I'm super interested to see what your listeners are going to say. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> this is part of what I love about being a teacher is that you right. hear a student say something and you think, "Whoa, I'd never, I never thought, thought of that. that." So I'm so yeah. excited to see what what where comes up. you're excited to see what they think, where they think they're from, or why they think they're from. Both, Both. where and why. Message Dallas. <laughs> I'll post all his social media so you can harass him. Please do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like that idea that the reason there's no place is because it's universal like you're saying is for it could happen to any of us this could be any of our places and i just kind of thought it it was also difficult to name a place because as you said this could be africa this could be other places that there are lots of places in which these practices happen or in which you know muslim and prayer happens that throughout the day and so i thought part of the reason why you couldn't name it is because there's lots of places where this has happened where 
war has broken out or civil wars or these other things, you know, and that it's important to acknowledge those things. But as you're saying as well, that it could be any of us, any of our places that we think are free from. Because the way you hear his parents talk about things, you realize that this was a place of safety, of comfort. Well, his parents are professors, right? They're teachers. And I don't know. Stability. Yeah. I don't even know if the book actually says that that they're Muslim. He just asks, do you pray? I just put that on, I think. Wow. I think I, think I just assume, and those are some those. That's really interesting. The things that we assume as assume. readers, or at least and, I'm assuming. Well, we assume them, but also, I mean, there's some clues. I, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> we assume them, but it wasn't like out of thin air. Um, but maybe it was. I don't know. Um, Can we talk about something real quick? Yes, go ahead. So I was so fa- in, in love and fascinated by his parents. Obsessed. Yes. I, when his mom died, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I want more of this woman. Yeah. Like, I was like, you can't enough. die because you – right. There's got to be some more. But like there is that moment where she – he's writing – there's this like moment and this comes back to his sentences and the ways that he's mm-hmm. able to write sentences. But he writes about how when they – the first time they were together and how much sex they had that night even though yes. she wasn't – like she felt uncomfortable. It didn't feel mm-hmm. comfortable. So she did it more. Right. You know, in order to, to understand, but then it talks about where they were at their last anniversary mm-hmm. and how they had sex once that entire mm-hmm. year. And, you know, he's able to jump time right. in this wonderful way in, in his sentences that I just fell in love with. But right. I just love that moment where they're outside. They're, they love to read like like us, and nice. they're outside reading, and she hates that he smokes, or at least does, she does not smoke. Mm-hmm. And then he... He puts down the cigarette and she lifts it up and takes Mm -hmm. a drag and puts it back. And I just thought that this moment between partners or people that you have relationships with and those little moments that matter to you of peace was just so magically captured and just made them so real Mm -hmm. to me that, you know, when it came time to her dying, I was like, no, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And, and it's, there's such minor characters as far as time in the book, uh-huh. and yet they really do feel like really special. Like if there's a movie, you know, the mom and dad are being nominated for best supporting actor, <laughs> even though you know it's like what it's like Michelle Williams in Manchester by the Sea. She was on the sea, the movie for thirty seconds, oh, but she got nom- don't see it. <laughs> Spoiler: It's not good. Yeah. Um, but like these little parts, these like mm. he creates these little humans that feel so real. Right for these moments and when they leave the dad I'm like no like I but I love him mm-hmm. and and yeah I agree I just really loved the parents um and they also kind of set up a foil for for Nadia and Said right like she is this you know sexual like um she she mirrors the mother she's sexual yeah. she's you know up front she's in your face and the dad is kind of a little bit more calm and focused and the prayer and all that like really connects and you know said says later in the book he prays because it feels like a connection back to his father and that whole thing and Mm. um you know they're not having sex seems like such a thing especially because early in the book we hear about his parents sex life Mm -hmm. so early on so it's like these things are set up in contrast to one another right yeah it does and it's almost as if Oh, I, I, it's almost as if this is what they could have had mm-hmm. had they got to experience right home and right. these other things that they Not didn't this because trauma. they travel through all these places as refugees or right. as, you know. Well, right. And like what, and what does 
what do these traumas or these major life events, mm. what do they do to a relationship, right? Like, I love that, yeah. I mean, that it, to me is like such a huge part of this book is like they meet and they're really into each other and he talks about how they're texting each other and they've inserted yeah. each other into, they've inserted themselves into each other's lives through right. these texts. So it gets to a point where they can't imagine not texting right. and then the phones don't work. It's like yeah. they don't talk for three days, right? And it's like this, these things, they dis disrupt the patterns of your life. Yeah. So what if, right? Like you're left with a major what if by the time the book ends and you're rooting for them. I was. Yeah. I mean, I was I, totally I, I rooting was for them. too. You want them to sort of stick it out, yeah. you know? But I also just, just thinking about that makes me think, you know, we, I don't understand fully. I mean, maybe not even a submission <laughs> of what it means to be a refugee because right. I live in such security comfort, and yeah. comfort and safety, you know. Um, and I think that part of what this does is violate that mm -hmm. in the text, in mm -hmm. the book, and something that I still as a Westerner get to enjoy, you know, and I don't understand those things. And so I think part of maybe what the discussion, the dialogue that he's having with people is that, you know, if you're in a Brexit moment or if you're in mm -hmm. this place where you're German and you don't want any more, you know, refugees coming in or you're in the United States and you want to build mm -hmm. walls, you know. Super helpful. <laughs> it's It seems to be a little bit because we don't understand. And part of what's in that moment when they're in London and you see this buildup, like, you know, as you were saying, they burn down a theater with children in it. Right. They being the UK the and the nativists, yeah. those who are from the UK. And then, it, and then it stops and everyone's sort of waiting for it to pick back up. The refugees are waiting for it to sort of like get worse and then it doesn't. And I wonder if that's a moment where they're so upset that their safety and security and way of life has been violated that they're trying to do all they can to get it back. And maybe at some point they realize like, oh, I understand this person across from me I'm trying to kick out or mm -hmm. whatever. And in that, they try to find a solution. It's not their greatest solution. But, right. you know, I think that's something I'm missing. I'm missing that understanding. Right. You know? Like, how do we respond and embrace these people who are... who are, Yeah, who are going through this. Because as you were saying, like, when we look at their moms, the mom and dad, and then we look at their relationship... And we think this is what you could have had if you mm -hmm. lived in this sort mm -hmm. of realm of safety. And then right. refugees don't get to sort of enjoy right. the things right. that we get to, you know. Well, right. And all of their relationships are built in this time of struggle or trauma or whatever. Like imagine raising a kid. Yeah. Like, and we don't get to enjoy what is that they're experiencing. Because, right. you know, there's there's their ability, these two characters, to meet others and to grow strength and mm -hmm. to be adaptable mm -hmm. these are the things that i'm i'm not always yeah <laughs> you know they're better with people than you and i <laughs> um no that's totally true um and so another thing that's really comes up in this book mm -hmm. is that um we don't really discuss anybody's feelings i don't know if you notice that Whoa. like as we're traveling through the doors uh -huh. and as we're, you know, waiting for the Londoners to come and burn down the house and as uh -huh. we're leaving our father at home in our unnamed country, there isn't a lot of talk about and then Syed felt this and then Nadia felt this. Okay. And it's interesting because as I'm reading it, I'm thinking 
I'm, I would be so scared or I would be so sad. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just an interesting thing because feelings, as one of my coworkers says, feelings aren't facts mm-hmm. and they aren't facts, but they are really real for mm-hmm. you. Whether or not they're valuable is a totally separate thing, but they're not discussed really in this book. I don't know if you notice that or if that resonates with you at all. I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't, didn't notice that, but I think that there's some validity to that. Cause I just, I, I hear you say, I think, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, there were some moments where like his mom dies and it's kind of like, yeah, she died. And there's some moments where you kind of sense, but there's not this inner dialogue or feelings where we can, right. it's not the same where we're, when we're reading a little life and we're like, Oh my Right. God, and I'm he not, feels sad. Right. Like, I am not crying because right. the writing or the characters are making me cry because mm-hmm. of what they're revealing. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I liked it because yeah. I want to feel what I want to feel. Yeah. You know? And like, then we're able to, I guess, put what we want to put on these moments. How would I feel if my mom died suddenly? How would I feel if I had to leave my father behind? Yeah. Behind? How would I feel if I met a preacher's daughter and started having feelings for her? Right. right? Like that's like such an interesting moment mm-hmm. in the book um, towards the end in Marin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I definitely thought about it because I, there just, it just wasn't, I didn't notice it. And normally mm-hmm. I notice it because I'm like, oh, well, I wouldn't be feeling that way. Like, why did the author say that this character felt that, you yeah. know? And I didn't have that kind of combative experience with these moments because they were kind of able to just live, I guess, in the book. Yeah, you're able to insert your own feelings yeah. or with not, then you're not being put off by these excessive or effusive feelings you're like i don't really believe you yeah no totally okay wait i want to go back to one other thing okay yeah if this book becomes a movie it's okay sometimes we bump things in the (laughs) studio and by studio i mean my living room we're brand new this is my second episode like you used to see my face and i was like yeah "Ah." dallas feels so guilty (laughs) listen you've all listened to a brand new podcast this is in the new york times not yet it's about to be it will be (laughs) anyways okay here we go this book exit west Super popular. Mm. I sense a film coming on. Mm. Who do you cast in the film? <laughs> if anybody. This well, is first the- of all, do you think it would make a good movie? I think it would make a great movie. I think the budget would have to be huge. Sure. Why not? Um, Disney, you're doing great. Black <laughs> yeah. Panther was a hit. You got a little extra money. Yeah. Um, I love playing this game. This is such a fun game, especially game. from Hollywood. I don't know yes. if people outside of When you live in LA, you're obsessed with celebrities, even when, even though when you move to LA, you're like not into them. It's true. And I don't know anybody's name, so this is going to be really fun. I don't know anyone's name. You're going to hear me typing like, I was like, oh, that one person. And I was like, I can't say that on right now. So, Well, it's hard because we have to place them, right? Like you have to decide where they're from. Right. I mean, obviously, I'm obsessed with Riz Ahmed. So, like, can he please play Sage? Because, like, what a babe. Um, For sure. I, I mean, just a quick caveat. I mean, it's also just kind of difficult. I'm having difficulty finding and naming some people who are not of the white right. color. To, right. Because we don't so, know their names because right. representation matters. And if you're it's listening true. from Disney, you should make the movie, but you should also help us find more actors of color yeah. and producers. And us as listeners, <laughs> we, we should try to find more of, sort of films and stuff from yeah. the Middle East or these other places that we yeah. don't necessarily Actually, watch. Disney don't make the movie. Let somebody else make it. Yeah. You jerks. Um, yeah. Riz Ahmed comes great. to my mind. Yeah. I don't know. Nadia's got to be kind of sexy and, and strong. And right? strong. I, oof, sorry. I'm going to... Okay. Did you or do you not know the moment where <laughs> she's like, <laughs> do you pray? 
Oh, and he, yeah. you could tell he was, like, squirming. And yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, well, yeah. not really. And she goes, I do not. And yeah. then she gets on that motorcycle. And I was like, yeah. Ooh. She reminds me of me a little bit, except for the motorcycle, because I'm risk-averse. But she does kind of remind me of, like, myself <laughs> in that. Can we cast you? Yeah, sure. Totally. Yeah. I'm available. <laughs> um, call my, my agent. No, but she does have that, like, very, you know, almost, like, Western, what we think of like Western women, right? That they're able to be like in your face. Yeah. Like that idea that like, you know, women who are oppressed aren't able to have spunky personalities, right? Like that they're all demure. Right. And that's kind of what's great about her is that both of us pictured this book taking place in, you know, a Muslim majority country. Right. And yet you have this kind of spitfire character. And he's really saying like, just because you can't see our women or these women because they're in robes doesn't mean that they're not as dynamic and diverse in personality as women right. anywhere else. Right. And so she yeah. really, she is the one who's like, she wears the robe because she doesn't want guys like feeling her up, you know? Right. And like, she's like, I, no, I don't like, I'm wearing this robe because I don't want to fuck with you. Like, she's like, I do not want to be a hashtag me too. Uh-huh. I want to be Nadia and I'd rather be in this robe away from you than have you cat calling me on the street. Right. Yeah. And, and I think what's so powerful and brilliant about her as a character is that she knows how the culture works or the dominant right. culture. And she knows how to use that in the way that she needs right. to use it. And, and how she gets seen. Right. And I think that's where I'm like, Ooh, you're like on a whole nother level. as right. a as a person or a character. But then there's the part where she's in the bank going to get her money. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the scene, but okay. she's like, it's like a crush of people and she gets really heavily oh. groped. Even though she's fully right. in her robe and she's fully right. in her protection, like, it's kind of like, nobody cares. Yeah. Like, you're in these moments, you are as expendable as anyone else. And I don't know, maybe it's grosser than that, but... Yeah, but it's also interesting because it's also the multiple amounts of clothes she has on that stops right, it right too, that because stops there's it. nothing that you know she is protected but she wasn't protected from the assault right she's yeah. protected from any like you know penetration but she's still violated that's true that's still a violation so yeah 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 it's just it's there's so the book is like that all the way through you know there's just so many layers of things where it's right. like he lays this layer about the robe. Then he lays this mm. layer about her personality. Then he lays this layer about the assault. And then it's like, but mm. it was protected by the robe that circles back to the beginning. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, you're like, yo. And the book is like 200 pages yeah. also. It's so short. And she never loses the robe in the end, right? She never she takes it off. Has no. It. And so I think that's a really interesting, because it doesn't serve, at some points, it says how, you know, it actually is distracting and causing people to maybe treat her differently. Right. She's still, that's a really interesting thing that she still holds on to at the end. So. Right. Yeah. We didn't pick a person to play her, but the more I think about I, it, oh, you have one? I have one. Okay, go. I don't know if it, it's cheating, no, but I was thinking Fella. <gasps> okay. We have this, the most lovely friend. She's an actress. Yeah. She is, her name is Vela Lavelle. She is in um, The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. She's on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's she's a very good friend of mine from college so disclaimer but she's also a fantastic actress she yeah. went to juilliard she went to nyu like she's not just my friend she's a superhero right. but she is a spitfire and if you've seen the big six she plays the girlfriend that camille uh that his parents want him to be with twice she's yeah. in two scenes and she's amazing <laughs> um or she plays heather on crazy ex-girlfriend but yeah, that's a great one picture. yeah that's a great i mean of course bella have your people call my people. I'm, work- I'm working <laughs> with Disney. Um, yeah. No, but also I was thinking, what if this city that they're from is a more cosmopolitan place than we're thinking? Like more mm. 
less homogenous, you know, more like yeah. a London where there's all sorts of different people or more like an L.A. or a place where there's all sorts of different people. So maybe, you know, it's a cosmopolitan city center and maybe they're both the same religion, but it's not necessarily the religion of the place. And then you could really have a super diverse cast, right? Like his yeah. parents. I mean, I don't necessarily think that the text supports that only because later on when he meets the preacher's wife or the preacher's daughter, it's very clear that the preacher is black and mm. that the wife is from the place and is of the culture of yeah. Syed. So he's from a place maybe that it, I don't know. I just am thinking like you really could do anything because there aren't rules. You could have a person of color and you could have a Caucasian person if you so chose. You could have, you know, a, a black Muslim. You could have an Asian. Yeah. Like there's just I, or it doesn't have to be Muslim. We're so set on this Muslim thing. But <laughs> I just there's like, I don't know. You could just cast someone fucking badass and just be done with it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know. I just I think I do think it would make a good movie. So I am interested. I hope that I hope that it happens. I'm glad I read the book first. Yeah. I hope he <laughs> writes the screenplay. I hope he That's writes the screenplay. The best. Yeah. Because that would be beautiful. Um, I mean, do you have anything else you want to say about this book or any other things that you want to talk about that we didn't get to? I mean, the only thing that I always do is I try to think about the title. So oh, what did you think about Exit West? I mean, I guess they move west. <laughs> I never really think about the title. That's so funny. I'm the yeah. opposite. I should mental note, think about the title with guests. Um, they move west. Right. They exit through doors because they don't really go back. So in with the doors, if you go out, you got to come back. If you come back through the door, you go back to where you came from. Okay. So, you know, like they were saying in Mykonos, the first place they go, it's like they're so scared, but what are they going to do? Go back to home? Yeah. And it's hard because the doors are getting shut. Yeah. Like and protected. The, and there's gatekeepers yeah, or doorkeepers or whatever. whatever. So I guess, yeah, they do move west, Mykonos to London to Marin. Yeah. I, I was also just you, thinking, like, you go. I think you Yeah. I was idea. thinking, well, I was thinking now. I was thinking that, you know, the what we have, the notions of west kind of are gone. You know, right. so I think maybe the idea of like West is exiting, you right. know, and that there is oh. no longer this idea we have of the East or the West or the South. Like it seems like all of these things that were maybe have been pushed to the South or pushed to the East, right, then are no longer bound by those boundary lines anymore. Sure. And so we don't have that notion of Westness or Western civilization. Right. That's just all that's gone yeah. by exited. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm like, now I'm like, I should have thought about the title. Well, I mean, this is another place where hopefully the listeners got. To yes. Good, tell us what you thought about the title or what you think the title means. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Dallas, Tracy. thank you so much. Oh, this been has been honor. really fun. Dallas is my first ever guest. Um, I will link to everything and anything we talked about on this episode, um, on the website, um, and of course we want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Dallas really wants to hear from you. I'm <laughs> not really sure if do. I want to hear from you yet because <laughs> I've read comments on some websites and so please be generously kind. Um, <laughs> we're starting out. Yeah. Oh, so starting out. I'm starting out. Yes. But so here's the deal. Next episode, I'm going to have Sarah Fong on. She is a PhD student at, uh, USC and she's a good friend of mine. We grew up together in the Bay area. Um, and we're going to be talking about Jasmine Ward's the men we reap so go ahead get your copy for that i'm super excited about this one i okay. bought it i've been holding on to it i keep not having reading not reading it and i 
that's my next one and I, I can't wait to start. So um, check it out. Jasmine Ward, she wrote Sing Unburied Sing, which was also on Barack Obama's list from 2017. Oh, so how did you find it? Um, but this is not that book. This is um, a memoir. Um, so check it out. It's called The Men We Reap. Um, and we will be back in one week from today. Thanks so much, Dallas. All right, y'all, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next Wednesday, April 18th, with our guest, Sarah Fong, a PhD student in ethnic studies. The following week, Wednesday, April 25th, she and I are going to be discussing Jessamine Ward's Men We Reaped. It's a fantastic book, so make sure you pick up your copy, read it, and get ready to talk about it April 25th. Also, of course, subscribe to this podcast, rate us, review us, tell your friends about us. Every little bit helps. So we appreciate anything you're willing to do. Um, Everything we talked about today and in any future podcast will always be found in the show notes. Also, that will be up online on our website, www.thestackspodcast.com. You can find links to our Instagram and our Facebook there. Um, So follow us, message us, reach out, let us know what you're thinking. Um, We're so excited to hear from you. So please don't be shy. Um, Lastly, I just wanted to say thank you to Dallas Lopez, Shane Clark, Robin McCrite, Jake Casey, and Aaron Dolores. Our theme music is by Tagirajas, and this show is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you in the stacks.